Hey folks, how the hell are you? My name is Kaylin. And I'm the Rubber Ducky in your goddamn chili bowl. And you're listening to Crime or Reason. Beautiful. up guys hey hey how are we doing are we feeling this fall vibe yet we are we are we absolutely we are. are i've been trying to hang out my little wreath up there i tried so hard to hang it up my sunflower wreath and it sure did not stay on my door it's too heavy it just fell so apparently it's not time for fall yet so it is it's starting to cool off actually on the way here i passed charles and saw the sunflowers, sunflowers. oh i'm going i'm going next weekend yeah, i think I'm... it's beautiful i'm probably gonna go in the next couple weeks it's beautiful so my favorite yes which we're we not not you we me and we friends we mm -hmm. my friends not you we're going to um the Bellwitch cave right in adams tennessee because mm -hmm. it's a hot skip it's like an hour from my house so uh anyway hey <laughs> um we hope everybody is doing fantastic today we are very excited we have a crazy case for you today but before we get started i think we have some announcements the announcements we have some new projects that are happening so you may have seen everything with crime or reason now is labeled with an orthodox t which is essentially our own personal network and so we are going to have different projects that are coming out of unorthodox tea which we're really excited about so excited i have already started advertising for my project we're about to start advertising for kaylin so we just want to make the announcements for anybody who hasn't seen her read the day after this airs which this will air on monday so on tuesday i will actually be releasing the first episodes of my new podcast drunk with horror which is really exciting. It's like horror movie commentary and, you know, reviews, shoot, reviews and shooting shit with some guests. We're going to be ranking some stuff. We're going to be writing some stuff. We're going to be doing some fun stuff over there. So I'm incredibly excited about that. We're also going to be keeping you updated on all the latest horror news. So it's just going to be something that's really in my wheelhouse something that i'm very passionate about it's my own little personal project so while it's going to be weird to not be podcasting with kaylin it's going to be a relief because i can't stand this bitch ah! <laughs> <laughs> just kidding this was something that we were like we had to sit back for a second we were like are we ready for this are we ready to not be together you throw insults at me and i'd take them like a champ but they always surprise me i mean that's what i'm here for yeah so it's fine everything's fine we hate each other totally mutually yeah i can't stand her she's so close to me right now and as i've told you guys in past episodes she really fucking stinks i actually kind of just want to punch him in the face she doesn't ever shower i walked into her bathroom literally just today and i was expecting to see a bar of soap but instead i saw a chili cheese dog sitting in the soap holder are it's, you calling me fat too right now i mean <laughs> if the shoe fits eat it Kaylin, no, we actually love the shit out of each other. Kaylin's not fat. That's my job. Um, she doesn't stink, but that's not my job. We'll give that one to Leo. Leo just came back from outside, so he a little stinky, a little rank. I'm incredibly excited for my new project, Drunk with Horror. It's already got all of its socials. You can 
find the link tree. You can find it on Facebook. Literally all the social medias that you can find Crime or Reason. If you are on Apple Podcast, you can actually go to the channel and see Unorthodox Tea, which has Crime or Reason under it. And it also has Drunk with Horror. But it also has, Kaylin. My new podcast, which is called Stateside Serial. And I can't wait to start it. Listen, we're so excited. We were getting like the artwork and everything done for it. And I can't stop looking at the artwork. Though. I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> like, I'm like just casually doing my job sitting there and I'm like, wait a minute. Let me pull up the artwork because it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really, really fun. We're really excited. Um, it's going to be like a nice summery kind of vibe. Like you're always on a road trip almost. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So... I'm pretty excited for that because I've been kind of throwing the idea around for a long time about what it's all going to be about. Which we know that it's also another true crime podcast, if you will. <laughs> like, Correct, because obviously I'm all about true crime. It's one of my favorite things to do. Obviously, I do a lot of deep diving into my research. So, But this allows her to be very specific about like a particular topic, which is like just serial killers out of the United States. Right. I've been throwing around doing the different states for a long, long time. Like I think it was right whenever we first started. Yeah, well we originally talked about doing it as a segment on Crime or Reason. And then we kind of decided like how often we would have to revisit that for you to get all states because we didn't want it to be a thing where people from certain states had to like wait until their state came out mm -hmm. and we didn't want to overload crime or reason with, with just like yeah so with just the serial killers I'm very so. excited to be branching out and making some new podcasts mm -hmm. and i think that yeah. we've we've talked about some guests i know caitlin's will be more individually oriented she will have Every you know, now and then, there, there may yeah. be a few guests. We'll see. We'll right. See. I got some things up my sleeve. And then with mine, mine's going to be very guest heavy. I already have three guests lined up. So we love to see. Yeah, it's gonna. It's just gonna be fun. Yeah, and who knows? You might see us on each other's podcasts. Can't wait for that. I mean, we can't really stand each other, but you know why not? Obvi. So, but we thought that this would be really, really cool because it allows us to also work on producing content while we're not together because you know there's obviously like a bit of a distance mm -hmm. it's like a 45 minute to an hour drive we don't live in big areas so that's like all straight roads so i mean that's actually like some distance it's not you know very, trying to get through a big city it's very tedious yeah so um which we absolutely love doing but we wanted to make sure that we were able to produce as much content as possible so we're gonna throw it at you yeah now we have spoken with a couple people behind the scenes um, who did express concerns about whether or not that this would affect crime or reason and it will absolutely not Kaylin and I are committed to crime or reason above all overall because this is like what we started on and right. if we're gonna start together we're gonna end together and it's all gonna be on the same page so just know that nothing is going to happen to crime or reason because of this you guys are just going to have other outlets that you guys can just go get more shit from us for. we just love you guys so much that we want you to hear more of us yes and obviously we love ourselves so much <laughs> <laughs> because we're narcissists you know i mean it's fine i think that everybody who's a content creator is narcissistic in some sort of way true that so true crime that, true crime that. <laughs> yeah that is our announcements we just wanted to Put that out there 
You can go check out both of the podcasts on social medias and Linktree at Drunk With Horror for obviously Drunk With Horror and for Stateside Serial, it'll be at Stateside Serial. We have social medias made for both of those. We have emails made for both of those. Actually, both podcasts have been published and you can go listen to an introduction on what to expect to my podcast. And then right now you can go and check out Kaylin's intro, her her intro song, which I don't think we said, Kaylin's releasing in October. Yep. So Be- it'll be a little bit yeah. longer for you all, but yeah, so which I mean, you guys are going to be getting so much content from us a month, it's going to be ridiculous. Especially um, for spooky season. Yes, because we're doing, you know, a couple episodes, like one to two episodes a week for Crime or Reason. So you're getting anywhere between four to eight episodes a month for that. You're going to be getting a Drunk With Horror episode every week. We've got those cool, cool vibes going yep. now. And then you're going to get stateside cereal every two weeks. So it's going to be... We're pumping. It's uh, pumping out a lot of content. Pumping out a lot. It's a little bit unorthodox to you. Uh, <laughs> so anyway we're super excited so make sure you check it all out make sure you stay tuned and up to date on everything that's happening and uh let's get to the case Kaylin, are you ready for this fucking case you know i'm never ready for this jelly well it's a case it's not jelly <laughs> we did just have peanut butter but whatever do love me some fast breaks i have two episodes coming out this week both of them are incredibly traumatic both of them have a mile-long list of trigger warnings. So A mile. A mile-long mile list each. I'm going to go ahead and let you know on the trigger warnings for this case. It is... It's intense. We're going to have trigger warnings for rape, murder, and some of it involves children. If you that's not your vibe. That children always get me. I know. It's going to be really heavy for like two weeks that we apologize. But... Feeling all the emotions today. Yeah. Anyway, so if any of this is not for you, go check out another episode. Come see us in a future episode. We get it. But I just want to let you know that this is a very intense case and it doesn't really get easy. I'm going to go ahead and get started. So this involves a lot of different crimes for what the main focus is. This will be the case of Charlie Kiefer okay. and Jonathan Sailors. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about the boys. The boys. Yeah. And they are boys. They're children. Charles Allen Charlie Kiefer was born on November 1st, 1979. He was 13 years old. He was the youngest of three siblings, Lisa and Michael, and his parents were David and Maria. Then on to Jonathan... Jonathan Lee, or John, mm-hmm. Sellers, was nine years old. He was the fourth of six children. Big family. Big old family. Two minutes younger, actually, than his twin sister, Jennifer. He Aww. had a twin sister. His other siblings were Natasha, Dennis, and Tammy. And then his parents were Dennis and Melina. So we're going to talk about the crime. It's going to be a little bit weird how we do this. We're going to talk about the crime talk about the main suspect through mm-hmm. all of this and then we will have to revert to multiple crimes throughout all of this because there's a like a whole trail that follows this it's right. wild it gets confusing yeah? yeah yeah so on saturday march 27th 1993 charlie and jonathan's older brother actually alton were going to go bike riding mm-hmm. just a little side note here 
Alton, some of you guys, if you're a bit older, you might actually know who he is because he was one of the house members in the real world Las Vegas. What? Yeah. What? He ended up going on to be on the real world Las Vegas. And it does, while they don't talk a lot about that in the real world, it does reference it a couple times. Interesting. So if you guys know Alton and remember that, just a, it's just a little like fun fact. Anyway, so last minute, Alton ended up deciding that he wasn't going to go. So he ended up just staying. And Jonathan, who's the youngest of the sellers, decided that he was going to go with Charlie instead. And then Jonathan's sister also wanted to go. Mm -hmm. But Jonathan was like, no, we don't want girls. You know, stay stay back. What a boy's mindset. Melina, which is their mom, ended up saying, hey, Jennifer, just hold back today. You know, let this be a boy's day. You can go next time. Everything was settled. Mm-hmm. Jennifer is just going to go with them next time. Don't take the so, girl. Right. So don't take the girl. What's my, my favorite song? In my sad one? country voice. So Charlie and Jonathan ended up going out bike riding. And they had a blast. Let me just say. Aww. Let's just talk about some of the things that they did. Were they and besties? They were. Aww. They were. It's fun. I, it felt like a neighborhood thing. Like all the neighborhood kids were just, you know, like friendly with each other. Yeah. It was a really fun time. I love a good neighborhood. Yeah. Friendly children kind of thing going on. And like was, when they all play with each other. It was just so cute. And, and they they really did have a great time. There are a couple things throughout the story I just want to go ahead and say as well. I didn't find constant information or like consistent information about a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be very straightforward. There's not going to be a lot of adventuring out to, you know, quotes and and certain things I might make references for. There wasn't always consistency in everything, so I will reference some of the things, but it's going to be more straight to the point, like right. the stuff that we know for sure. Okay. Let's talk about this fun-ass day that they had. Okay. It would have been a fun-ass day for me. Like, these boys, like, they just had a great-ass time. Vibed out there together. Yeah. In the afternoon, they both ended up getting on their 20-inch royal blue bikes. Ooh. And they went and got them some burgers from rallies yes they did yes let's go we love rallies with the with the good good fries Mm, the fries fries. rallies fries are the best some people have checkers they're Mm -hmm. all the same yep everything's the same but there's some places that don't have either which is sad very sad and we'll pray for you yeah (laughs) (laughs) so anyway so they got them burgers them big buford's them, <laughs> yeah, them big Bufords, them fries, them seasoned ass fries. They were having a good old day. Having a good time. Then from there, they actually went to an arcade, had some fun at the arcade. Then they went to a nearby pet store and went and played with some of the cats and dogs oh that were in this. Goodness. Yeah, just so that they could go in and play with them. And then there's a little bit of varying stuff here. Some people said that that was the last thing that they did. And some people, well, in like one or two sources, I saw where they actually went to like a flower shop and they were trying to figure out how to get like flowers for their moms how sweet are these boys these kids are the most wholesome things having the best day and now that we've talked about how wholesome they are and Mm -hmm. what they were kind of doing i want to show you photos so you can see literally how adorable these two little boys are okay Mm -hmm. so this is jonathan and that's charlie oh how cute are they not the cutest kids they are so happy. Like, they look like those kind of sweet boys. That yes. Gonna go get them a burger. And go and to the Go arcade. to the pet store and arcade. And Enjoy themselves. Go get flowers for mama. It's so cute. Well, whether it be the flower shop 
or the pet store that they left last, they were actually never seen alive again. I just got a, a cold chill. All of this next part is taking place in Ote River and Imperial Beach because all of this is happening in San Diego. So okay. we're in California. Yeah, we're in California. I think I forgot to say that. I apologize. On Monday, March 29th, 1993, both of their bodies were actually discovered by somebody who was riding their bike. They were found about 10 yards into like an area of brush off the trail. And this brush was actually like a fort for theirs. There's a small description of the brush where it talks about like the little fort was kind of described as like a natural fort. Mm -hmm. There was some foliage that went over top to create like this canopy. Are and we then in Stranger Things? It kind of feels that way. Is that what we're doing right now? And so it kind of makes like a canopy and it kind of goes down, right. you know, into the, mm -hmm. the foliage and the tree so that they have this area. It's and a little fort. it was about six foot tall. So like, and you know. They put in the yeah, work? And, and they had room in there, but sadly, this is where the crime took place that we know of. Or So we're going to talk about exactly how their bodies were found. This is one of the most graphic parts of it. If this is not for you, skip ahead a little bit. Mm -hmm. I do want to say when we talk about this going forward, a lot of the things kind of remind me of another case, the West Memphis Three, like as far as like the victims go. Okay. They were young boys. Mm -hmm. The other boys were like eight and nine. They were all third graders. Yeah. This one's a nine and a 13 year old. Right. They were last seen like hanging out, riding their bikes. If you remember how the boys were found in West Memphis Three. Awful. While this is not exactly the same, there are a few things that do kind of make it seem similar and i'm not saying that this is the same person even though i don't i'm 100 percent sure we do not know who killed those three boys from the west memphis three because it was not the three that were accused definitely however but i'm just pointing out similarities charlie was on the ground his head was on top of a pile of his and jonathan's clothing his genitals were bloody and showed extensive bite marks bite marks mutilation to the genitals and bite marks. Both were found on two different boys in the West Memphis 3 case. And the autopsy report actually concluded that Charlie was alive when the bite marks happened. Oh my gosh. What this poor little boy went through. Yep. Charlie's mouth actually provided some of the killer's DNA from tissue samples and among other things. I'm closing my eyes. Yeah. We do learn that some of the DNA that was found between the boys was also semen samples, so it's it's harsh. Jonathan was found hanging by a rope from a castor bean tree. So the plants and trees that created the overgrowth, like the canopy of their fort, mm -hmm. was castor bean tree. And he was hanging from the top of the fort. Good by a rope the rope was tied around his neck that he was hanging from and he was found with his legs and arms bound by a rope behind his back hog tied very similar to how the boys from the west memphis three were found how scary his mouth was gagged with some sort of cloth and tape and he was naked from the waist down the boys were found it's very intense it's very sad and for the longest time this case went cold because there was nothing that they could find. Like, they they found the DNA. They did find, like, a cigarette butt there. But this was in the early 90s. So DNA was just not great. Yeah. There was I have no words right now. Yeah, it's intense. Just a 
a sadness. And do we have so much more to come? Now, I will say that's mm-hmm. probably the worst part, but there's just still a lot more to this case. Like, I have sadness, like, washing over my body. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and move on. We're going to talk about a man. Okay? Mm-hmm. His name is Scott Thomas Erskine. Not a good man. Mm-mm. Can already tell. Mm-hmm. So, Scott Thomas Erskine, which I will call Scott or Scott Erskine through this, started having a very troubled life very early in his life. When he was five years old, he actually ran into traffic on a very busy highway and was hit by a car. A station wagon, to be specific. Okay, and well, we've got messed up already. Correct. And he ended up spending around 60 hours in a coma. And while he ended up recovering pretty okay as mm-hmm. far as physically he had intense brain damage there was like a disconnect that happened he suffered some sort of like unfixable damage to his brain and how he operates up there he would actually complain about these headaches that wouldn't go away and would often go into these fits of like blacking out and not remembering anything oh my goodness and it did not take long until he turned very violent. At the age of 10, he started molesting his six-year-old sister. He was threatening her into doing sex acts on him. Oh, he's 10? 10. Then to make it even worse, he started threatening and blackmailing his sister's, his young sister's friends into doing the same thing mm. in like a shed or a barn that was on their property. And it just keeps getting crazier. When he was 15, he ended up being put in a juvenile detention, so he was in juvie, and he escaped. Escaped? At the age of 15, yes. Juvie. When he ended up escaping, he found a 13-year-old girl using a knife, threatened her until he raped her. So he was, like, holding a knife to her and then raped her so that she wouldn't fight, like... And he was 15 at this time. And he was 15. Then... The very next morning, he hid out until that morning and then found a 27-year-old jogger, a female jogger, and then assaulted her with a knife. We have already gone through a lot, and it's not even close to being done. In 1980, he was on his way for a job interview. Would you like to hear what his job interview was? What's his job? Not not his job. His job interview. Okay, what's his job interview? His job interview was for a camp counselor. Oh, of course. That's right where he belongs Mm -hmm. absolutely not and while he was on his way to that interview with intentions to get that job that we could only imagine what his exact intentions were right he ended up finding a 14 year old boy that he beat unconsciously while he raped him so boys and girls it doesn't matter here like he's just literally attacking assaulting beating and raping anyone he ended up being put into prison for this and while he was in prison he raped a fellow inmate Like, there was literally, he was just insane. Like, he just kept doing it. Like, nothing was stopping him. There was no punishment or anything. Like, he just kept going, and he was trying, and he was committing these atrocities, like, any chance that he got. He actually asked the judge over his case to spare him from having to be trialed in adult court. He still wanted to be in juvenile court. (laughs) To spare him. Yes. As if he should be spared. Exactly. Exactly. And at this time, his mom was literally, like, begging, please, can we send him to a mental institution? Like, this is not working. He needs to go to a mental institution. How? During that time, he was sentenced to four years in prison. I don't know how he's only getting four years. Yeah. Once he was released, 
he ended up getting a wife. He found a woman named Deborah and married her. Yeah, and married her. They ended up moving to Florida in 88. Deborah ended up getting pregnant. And during the time of her pregnancy, she actually said that he was physically abusing her so bad that he was even a lot of the times like directly kicking her in her stomach while she's pregnant with their child. She ended up having the child and eventually she was like, no, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm taking my son. You're not going to see him. She moved to a different part of Florida and he ended up coming back to Southern California. Now, remember Florida for a while. Okay. Okay. Just remember that because it's going to come back into play. Putting it in the back of my noggin. Yep. In 93, he ended up finding a woman that he invited to come home and over the course of several days held her hostage, raping her and sodomizing her with different things and, and held her literally as a sex slave for like multiple days. And then he ended up letting her go. He was just like... What are consequences? And then just let her go. What are consequences? Yeah. Because I was put in jail for four years for raping somebody. Right. So, doesn't matter. Now, because of this, Ugh. she obviously was like, hey, this happened. Right. And he was arrested. He was convicted of the kidnapping and raping of this woman. And then had to register as a sex offender, obviously. And he was sentenced to 70 years in prison. Let's talk about what happens when you are charged with a crime of this magnitude, yeah? When you have to register as a sex offender, you have to submit your DNA. Right. To the database. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. CODIS. CODIS, yeah. Which we talked about. CODIS. Yep. (laughs) Now that you know what that is. (laughs) In 2001, a cold case team that ended up revisiting the unsolved case of Charlie and John, during this time... The police actually took cotton swabs and tested them. The cotton swabs were in Charlie's mouth and contained semen. And they took that and pulled it for DNA samples. They did this because both of the boys were so young, they weren't able to produce sperm, obviously. Right. So they knew that it had to have been from the person who tragically assaulted and murdered murdered them. They entered that DNA into CODIS. CODIS. And guess who they found? Mr. Uh, Scott Erskine. Mr. Erskine. Yep. Mr. Erskine was found. Mr. Erskine was found to be the person that that DNA belonged to in 2003. This is, it, it gets pretty close to, mm-hmm. to modern. Was then put on trial for the murder of both of the boys. Good. Yes. The jurors had to look through everything that happened from the scene. They had to look Jonathan hanging from the tree in the fort. And the families. And they had to go through and look at Mm. all of the evidence of the sexual assault and how they were mutilated and, and everything. So, and they also talk about two cigarette butts that were found on the scene that mm-hmm. ended up also matching Erskine's DNA. On October 1st, 2003, Scott Erskine was found guilty of the murders. Now, they could not agree on the sentence because while the majority of the jurors voted for the death penalty, there was one juror who wanted to give him life without parole instead. The judge ended up saying this is a mistrial and he went back before a second jury in 2004 and they decided what sentence that he would undergo. So we have two panels of jurors who had to look through all of this now. Yep. And the second jury was unanimous. Death penalty. 
we have another crime to talk about. Mm -hmm. Another crime? Another crime, yeah. You're kidding. This man. This man has already been sentenced to the death, or like sentenced with the death penalty. While he was waiting for this trial, before this trial started, he was waiting for the trial to happen, there were actually investigators in Florida, and they had actually opened up a code case. Renee Baker, who was 26 years old, was murdered in 89. We're looking at this case that had been unsolved for over a decade. There is no connection in any of this either. So this man just Uh had an array. Uh Uh-huh. And ready for this? Do you want to know what they found to put him at the crime scene? What'd they find? Cigarette butts with his DNA on it. Like cigarette butts? Attack, rape, and murder people and always throwing a cigarette out. You're in the middle of doing that and you're like, I need a cigarette. And then you just throw it out, step on it right there. He ended up being charged for that as well. And then ended up getting sentenced for that in 2004. During that time, he admitted to raping and killing Renee. And for that crime, he was given life without the possibility of parole. So he's got both. So he is serving for three different ca- or for three different crimes, a 70-year sentence for a raping and kidnapping. A life without parole for a raping and murder, and then a death penalty for the raping, mutilation, and murder of minors. He's serving all of these, and they weren't even from the same trial. He got tried three different times in three different court systems. So he stays in California, though, right? Correct. He had three different trials and was serving all of these. Obviously, the man's fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Like, get the fuck on out of here, sir. Right. It ended up turning out that Renee's cause of death was actually that she had drowned after Scott Erskine broke her neck and left her on a bank he has of a waterway. The only M.O. he has is rape and is murder. the rape and the murder and the cigarette butts. Yeah. He, he strangled, he drowned, he, like, he's right. made all, and, and, and from 9 to 26. Right. There are a bunch of investigators who still think that he's connected to other unsolved crimes, which, like, fuck yeah. And I was actually, when I was doing my research for this, I found not one, not two, but three different unsolved murders that were in the areas that he had lived in between Florida and California that I think could be connected. I'm not bringing those up because there's no proof for me to say that. However, someday. However, they were possible. Pretty close to the same memo. Now, I would like to say, before we go on any further, a foundation was resurrected in Charlie and Jonathan's names Mm -hmm. by their mothers and or sweet little boys. By their parents, yeah. And and they still like speak out and work on like getting laws and stuff done like to this day. They had to go through so much. Right. And it's just so heartbreaking. But like they they still do like interviews and like talks and they're constantly working to like help people out. It's it's a really it's really cool how they took something so awful and turned it into something to better themselves. And they took it to like better the lives of other people and you know help out anywhere that they could. Right. We have to ask what happened to Scott Erskine. He ended up awaiting his death penalty in San Quentin, California. And while he was in there, we have made it up to 2020. That's two years ago, Kaylin. That's two years ago. Mm-hmm. There was an outbreak of COVID-19 in the San Quentin State Prison, where a dozen death row inmates 
ended up dying from COVID-19, and Scott Erskine was one of them. He ended up technically, he still got his death penalty. While it doesn't erase the literal shit stain of a person that he was, leaving his shit stain marks all through his life, literally from the age of 10 onward, it's something, you know? And I think that maybe in the future there will be other code cases that are open that will benefit from CODIS, CODIS and yeah. and I finding hope. out that, that he did more. I don't think that this was it. The fact that we found this many that he did, he is either so fucking stupid, was so fucking stupid, that he just got caught on everything that he did, which a lot of the times he was, just mm -hmm. throwing cigarette butts and letting people go after he'd rape them for, like, multiple days at a time. Or we just don't know the magnitude of how many atrocities that he actually yeah. committed so but yeah so that was the case of charlie keever and jonathan sellers and it doesn't feel great nope it does not you know you really go hard when you go into a case and i never ever ever feel good afterward it's one of those things where it's an important case because this isn't a case that you hear about. I found this like doing some deep research into cases because, you know, on this podcast, while we will cover an array of cases, we do like to touch on cases that aren't as well known. We're not out here doing the Zodiac Killer and all that stuff because right. we do want to talk about like more intimate, I, I guess. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bringing True. light to the ones who, especially like this, where the families made like all of the, is it, did you say charities? Well, yeah, they, they have like foundations, foundations in their names. Made, yeah, so. and I just think that this is an important case. Now, the issue with that is a lot of these cases that are important to talk about are the hardest to talk about. The absolute hardest. Yeah. And this one was very, very similar to the West Memphis Three, so I'm really surprised it's not more well-known. Right. I'm going to conspiracy that he could be a suspect. Under no circumstance do we know at any point that he made it to Arkansas. If you listen to that case, it sounds like the people that did this could have been in passing. You probably have to go through Arkansas to get from and would California this have to been Florida. Around the same time. So I am gonna say that while this happened in the same time frame, it doesn't really make it feasible unless he went from California to Arkansas and back to California. Charlie and Jonathan were found. March 27th, 1993. Mm -hmm. The boys from the West Memphis case were found May of 1993. The West Memphis three murders happened two months after. Well, a little less than two months after. When? However, that woman that he raped and or kidnapped and raped also happened like a few months later. This theory were to stand true. He would have, in the span of those few months, killed the boys murdered the boys in California, gone to Arkansas for a little bit of time, and then come back all within the Wait, course of like three I months. thought that girl was in Florida. Not the murder. The one that oh, he was... The he, yeah, okay, okay, the kidnapping and rape. Yeah. If we could find something to tie him to Arkansas area that he could have gone for during that time, there's a lot of stuff. It's hard to find a lot of details about this, but wouldn't that be wild? We're just I am, theorizing. Yeah, this is just a theory. We're not putting this out there as fact. Please don't go around and be like, the bitches from Crime Reason think that he did it. All I'm saying is, it's there are theories. similar. And it could be that. Very similar. The brutality of it, the fact that it was like, boys that were around the same age, you know, 
the bite marks, the mutilation of the genitalia, the mm-hmm. hog tying. Right. It's weird. So, this is just a theory, but it's kind of a fucking good one. The moment that I can figure out how to tie him to Arkansas. I might come back with you. I might have all this figured out because Lord knows I'm about to deep dive into it <laughs> after this. So, which I also still think that it was some people in the family for the West Memphis Three Boys. I mm-hmm. still think that it was the, the stepdad that did it so we'll have to get into that sometime we're gonna get into that one i already have half the research done mm-hmm. it's coming it's just a really intense case so really intense yeah i had to take a break from that one but oh man anyway how are we feeling Kay? what a doozy yeah that was a rough one yeah um i you like i said you just surprise i don't know you just bring the worst when you're in your cases you bring the worst yeah i just think they're important cases to talk about i agree, I agree. and so and the reason, you know, like for this one, I want to talk about it because I think that it's important for us to understand the importance of DNA and mm-hmm. we need to be opening code cases more often because there's a lot of cases that are sitting in there that haven't even been ran since CODIS has been a thing. Yeah. Like the West Memphis 3 case. Why have we not run that DNA? And then the that's the thing with the West Memphis 3 case. I, I'm going to do that case because we still need justice for those boys because mm-hmm. those three did not do it. And also, we need to get Arkansas on its fucking shit because they are fucking up hard over there. That is, uh, that's it for this case. I'm gonna need a steady draw off my cigarette after talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's different researching it and then having to come in here and just, like, say it out loud. When you yeah. say it out loud, you're like, you can feel the life draining out of you. Right, you can actually, like, feel the hurt and, and just thinking about, like, all of the they had such like i connect like how they had you know kids cases always are hard for me i don't i love children and i just can't imagine these little boys were just having the best day they were so sweet and they they were were cute and adorable which beautiful little lives we'll post a photo and which i just realized i didn't show you what mr scott looked like oh no are you ready for scott thomas erskine what he looks like this was him in 2018, okay? Oh, I'm disgusted. Is he not the most terrifying man? He's very scary. He, very scary, very... He looks like a bulky, like, bad figurine that you'd buy from, like, a Dollar Tree. That's, mm. like, they made way too buff in his neck. Oh, no. He's scary looking. He's literally terrifying. Like Very ew. His eyes follow you. We appreciate you guys stopping by for a listen, Thanks even though it wasn't in. fun. Yeah. Even though it wasn't the funnest case. We really appreciate it. Make sure that you check out all of our social medias at... Crime or Reason. Make sure that you email us at... Crime or Reason at gmail.com. Make sure you go and check out Drunk with Horror and... Stateside Serial. And we are looking forward to hanging out with you guys again. We love you all. So make sure that uh, you come back for the next episode. And watch out for all those drops because we are so pumped for it. Other than that, make sure that you stay safe. Stay healthy. And stay criminal. criminal. Bye, guys. Mm, Bye.